everyone. Welcome back to the Completely Fucking Clueless podcast. My name is Sarah Alice Liddy. And my name is Audrey Jean Flowers. And we both use she, her pronouns. Slay the day, y'all. This intro, <laughs> that's my new thing. I really wasn't ready for that. Using she, her pronouns is slaying the day for us. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give a warning right now to everyone listening. It's been a long day. We're sleepy girls. I've never felt this exhausted in my life. Like, honestly, that's my clueless moment this week. I'm already getting into it that I have just been feeling so run down the last like two weeks. Um, I know seasonal allergies are starting to happen because like one day like today it's 49 degrees. It could be 32 tomorrow and that really messes with my system. But your girl is fucking tired. I'm a little hangry. Hangry. Sure. And you know what today is? It's the one year anniversary of the it pod. Is. So happy podiversary. It's the day before Sarah's birthday. It's the day before my 25th birthday. And this is our 50th episode. It is our 50th episode. And according to all the articles, you need to make it to your 50th episode. So so uh, this will be our last episode ever. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Um, and we hope you've enjoyed. We'll never be back. <laughs> it's all over now that we've reached mm-hmm. 50. Yeah. Fuck I, all y'all bitches. I literally can't believe I'm turning 25 tomorrow. I know it's interesting you know I've been okay I can't tell if I'm hyper emotional like lately because I'm turning 25 or I'm just like hyper emotional in general right now but I swear to god like anything can make me cry right now (laughs) and so you know I think 25 is this monumental age you know it's a milestone birthday you're starting to think about shit and your life You know, I got into an Uber the other day and this woman and I were just, you know, having a conversation and she was talking about her son who's 20 and how he's like, yeah, by 25, I'm going to be moved out and all this shit. And I was like, tell your son that when I was his age, I said the same exact shit. And let me tell you, it's not as easy as you think to get there. Yes. 25 comes faster than you think. I literally feel like I just turned like 21 you know, because those memories aren't that far away. But it also, like, makes sense that I'm 25. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, it just feels like such a, yeah, monumental moment. Mm-hmm. And... Quarter of a decade. I know. And, you know, I think at first when I was thinking about 25, you know, I started thinking about the things that I didn't have. I was like, oh, I'm not moved out. Really, that's the big one is I'm not moved out. Um, but then I was like... Look at all the things that you have, you know, built in the last five years and all the things that are going on for you right now. Like, sure, you're not living in your own apartment out of the house, but also like you are working toward the things that you want, which will hopefully lead you to the ability to, you know, move out. And you've got 75 more years, maybe. Slay. I know. I got all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. How was your week? Sorry, big question. I literally said to Audrey, you know, before this, we did a podcast swap. So we're extra tired because yes. we were just recorded for like over two hours. Um, but I was like, I'd ask you how you are today. But, but I, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I don't want to know. But now I do. <laughs> I am good. I um, am starting a temping job next week. Yay. Yay. Um. I have a really sweet doggo that I've been walking all this week um, on top of another doggo that I also walk twice a week, every week. I'm jealous. Um, but the he's just the sweetest, cutest little doggo boy. 
Um, but I am good. I mean, my apartment's still mess, but we are we're doing the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Olivia and I were having a conversation about dog work walkers the other day. And yes. then I remembered you had a, like uh, some experience with this. Do you do it through an app and how do they ensure the safety of like the apartment of the place of the dog that you're walking? So I do it through an app. Mm-hmm. They do a background check on you beforehand. Okay. And That's whatnot. what we had thought. Um, we were like, background but like, check. I have heard stories of like people having shit happen. Yeah. Um, like, especially in New York where, you know, people go to work. So they need people to help out with the, the dog. The one that I walk every week, like we fully got coffee beforehand. Oh, okay. Um, but the rest of them, I, I, I've never met the person. Oh, interesting. Um, so yeah, I also think about that. Yeah. Faith, trust, pixie dust, I guess. Oh, gosh. Um, But yeah, I'm... I as everyone I always say as everyone knows and then I always correct myself the moment I say it um but I've started taking Zoloft and I'm now I moved up like a week ago to 50 so I started at 25 50 and then I'm going to go to 100 in a couple weeks so that's been going well so far I haven't had any notable side effects oh that's good um yeah you know when you want to hear a story about meds um so I don't know, you know, between going to Olivia's house and we went to Connecticut, like all these different, like taking my meds all over the place. Um, I've lost my antidepressants. <laughs> and so I searched like everywhere I could for a week. And I was like, I haven't taken my Cymbalta in a freaking week. So I finally um, messaged my um, psychiatrist and I was like, I cannot find my meds. Like, can you like somehow re-prescribe them? And she was like, yeah, sure. Like I can fill it. Like hopefully like your insurance will cover it. Mm -hmm. So I have to go to CVS after this. And I'm really nervous because I'm like, Melissa, I need these to live. Legit. Like I need them to survive. You don't get it. You don't. You just don't get it. Mm -mm. I don't know why I picked that accent. But um, it's been a good week. Uh, Lots of friends' birthdays. um, Sarah being one of them. So lots of celebrations. And yeah. um, What about you? Yeah. It's been a pretty good week. I feel like I've been kind of very busy. Um, Things in my internship have been picking up because um, like there's a lot of events going on and I make a lot of. I make the TikToks, not a lot. I make them. So I've been having a lot of responsibilities there that are like filling up my day because I think for a lot of the first half of my, uh, I was going to say relationship, internship, like there was a lot more leeway, a lot more room. And like, especially in the winter, it's been like picked up as like, I've gotten more and more into this position of like editing TikToks, which has been great, but also like a little bit less downtime. Um, And so that's been something that I'm trying to balance and stay aware of. You know, I think we've both talked about feeling kind of nervous to overwhelm ourselves and our systems. Like we don't want to burn out all these things. So I'm really trying my best to, find the boundary line but it's also so hard sometimes because it's like I'll go home after days of work and I'll be like okay like I'm gonna rest I'm gonna watch tv and all these things and then I'll be like oh but like I want to make this tiktok for like Mm -hmm. myself or for us and like you know it's sometimes hard yeah yeah it's a hard balance to find it is and it's something that I'm like actively trying to work on um but yeah and then oh my gosh you guys this is kind of a funny, silly, also like maybe like serious story. I don't know <laughs> all the things, but basically I got an ultrasound 
last Friday on my ovaries because a year ago I had done an ultrasound for my endocrinologist and in the process they ended up finding a cyst on one of my ovaries. So my new gynecologist was like, we just want to check up on that and see where that's at. And I was like, of course you do. <laughs> Hold on. I need a drink of water. My mouth is so dry that you can like hear it. <laughs> okay. Um, so my new gynecologist was like, I want to check on this and see how that sis is doing. If it's there, whatever. I put it off. Like she asked me to do that in September. <laughs> I went on March like 3rd. <laughs> Finally did it. Wait, funniest part of the experience was like, you know, before the woman puts that little probe up your vagina, she was like, are you a virgin? <laughs> and at first I was like, what? And then I made sense why she was asking that. She was like, I just like to ask my like clients before because, you know, sometimes people are not very aware of what this exam entails. And I was like, oh shit, like that would not be fun. No. No. Um. And so after she had done the exam, I don't know if it was an accident or like whatever it was. She left like the results for my right ovary on the screen. Mm -hmm. So because she is not like qualified to or licensed whatever to give me the results and what she sees on the ultrasound, like my doctor needs to look at them and uh, report that to me. I take a picture of it and I start Googling what some because Google. Google specifically there was a row of photos and it said that my right ovary had 20 follicles in it. So I was curious as to what that meant. And then all of these articles about PCOS start like popping up everywhere on my screen. And I'm not really sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but one of like my greatest life fears is not being able to like carry and my own children and like be get pregnant and be pregnant. Um, so, and one of, something that can happen for people with PCOS is infertility. So immediately your girl starts like freaking the fuck out. I'm calling Olivia. I'm like, um, (laughs) sorry, that was really funny. Um, and then ultimately on Monday of this week, you know, my doctor calls me and, and I thought there were cysts on my ovaries. Like there were these little circles. I was like, those are them. And she was like, your ovaries. Great. No cysts. Uterus looking fab. Um, yeah. And so she was basically like, you do have a higher follicle count, which is associated with PCOS, but she's like, I'm hesitant She's like, I personally do not feel like you're qualified to be fully diagnosed with it because, you know, one of the main symptoms of PCOS is irregular periods. And like your homegirl is so effing regular, like this girl does not struggle to be on a regular cycle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it was like reassuring to like hear that, you know, things were going to be OK. Um, I think I'm still going to work to because I do have higher insulin levels and sometimes I can have higher testosterone levels. I have had them in the past, which are both associated with PCOS. So I think moving forward, though, I do kind of want to work on leveling out some hormones and sort of figuring out how to help myself there. Yeah. Yeah, but PCOS is a very normal thing. She was like, literally so many women have it and it's like completely like livable with and all that stuff. So if you're worried like I was, don't be as worried. Sly. <laughs> Sly the day. Do you have any clueless moments? I already said mine, I, I think. I just had it. 
Oh, what was it? Oh, no. Oh, I just had it. Meow. Oh, I, I literally just had it. Where did it go in my brain? Oh. Mm. Okay, so. <laughs> I needed to do laundry this week. Okay. And. I also did. And guess what I did? So, Tuesday was the day that made the most sense for me to do it. So, um, I went to go and do it. I was like about to go and do my laundry mm. and i get an email from my apartment complex being like hey we're doing some renovations laundry's down for the week and i'm like <gasps> the week for the week and i'm like that's perfectly okay and like renovations like they need to happen things have to get shut down for that but like give us some warning don't tell us the day that you're sh- because i would have gone and done that laundry yeah. on the other days before that that worked less but <laughs> Now I'm like fucking out of clean underwear and bras and there's not a laundromat really close to me. Yeah, I was going to say like you can do a wash and fold and I heard it's not that expensive. Well, my kind of plan because now we're well, (laughs) I guess I still do have a bit. I'm going to do what I described to my mom as a rustic cleaning of I'm just going to wash the essential things just like in my bathtub Um, and we're going to see how that goes. And then if I get really desperate, we can deal with other things. But Again, I've tried to not spend money. So, um, but I was like, yo, maybe give us like just even a a day's warning or preferably a week so that we don't all rush it. But like telling us just the day of like, I I can't be raw dogging fucking life like that. (laughs) Um, anyway, yeah. Um, I also am still having issues with my water turning brown. So that's been a fun thing. My apartment complex says they have other emergencies they're tending to and so they'll get to it when they can and i'm oh. like this is a cute life i'm living love it love I it love, water love, 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 love it to stay alive. And luckily like my my bathroom water still always coming out clear so i just drink water from there but like doing dishes is interesting so my kitchen is still kind of a mess because i just have to like <laughs> hope that the water runs clear when i go to do them um there's also the fear of like it's coming out inconsistently brown so like what if the clear water that all comes out in between isn't clean so i probably need to get it tested as well yeah <sighs> live laugh love so i'm just clueless i'm like can you give a girl a heads up why would you do me dirty like that that's so mean yeah i feel like that's really not great management to literally have a building full of tenants and shut off the laundry not tell well, anybody about it a I, lot of, day of a lot of apartments have it in units uh, to the point in which i literally was one time doing laundry and this very straight white man comes in and like looks at me with a look and like scoffs to himself and he's like huh i thought all the units had laundry in unit and i was like clearly fucking not i'm holding a laundry basket and then sent to the basement shut the fuck up you know i i don't have space for that shit no no uh, anyway that's my clueless moment i love that for us clueless moments of the week woo All right, you guys, now we are going to head into an interview with Tatiana Fote. She has an amazing podcast and brand called The Bedside, Uh, and it is a podcast where you can get comprehensive sex education for everyone. It's supporting pleasure, play, and relationships. Tatiana is a sexuality educator and host. Honestly, this swap so much fun was i had the best the conversations we have the advice that we drop on both episodes is elite we could have talked for like 14 more hours yeah i just felt like we hit 
every advice point from 20s which we talk which we talk more about on her podcast so she you should go listen to it and then ours is really sex relationship dating driven so without further ado I'm going to intro you or no I'm gonna send you off to an amazing interview with Tatiana all right, everyone. Welcome back to the completely clue, completely clueless. <laughs> now, because I said it earlier, I'll start that again. <laughs> All right, everyone. Welcome back to the completely fucking clueless podcast. We are super excited because today we are sitting down with Tatiana from the Bedside Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Hello, guys. I am so excited to chat with you today. Uh, us too y'all we just recorded um for Tatiana's podcast so you should definitely go listen to that we talked a lot of 20s a lot of 20s advice a lot of sexuality advice so if you're looking for any of those things go listen to it um this episode we're gonna go a little different route and talk more about like sex I think (laughs) let's do it up front Nance Nancy Purdy warning anyone who listens for Nancy Purdy warnings don't listen to the rest of this episode just don't stop now yeah we got to give a warning for nancy purdy is our (laughs) college friend's mother who is a very dedicated listener so when we found that out she listens every week we give nancy purdy warnings for hey you've known me since i was 13 yep don't maybe don't listen to this guys i'm so (laughs) obsessed honestly i've had to so i religiously my dad listens to all of my episodes because he's just such a cheerleader but like there's some episodes there's been like one or two where i'm like hey don't just we're gonna just put a little redirection there and I'll send him like a a nice a nice little like NPR thing to listen to instead I'm like (laughs) (laughs) take a left turn here um I know so yes I'm I'm all about the Nancy Purdy warnings that's fucking brilliant I've had a lot of other adults who've been like, yeah, whenever you give those, I stop listening. So it's made it so I'm more diligent about giving them. I love it. Especially when my like old college voice teacher. um, Oh, my God. I didn't know he listened until I he was he's now in Massachusetts and I got dinner with him and he was like, oh, and I can give you a tutorial of how to take care of a cast iron pan. And I had a horrifying realization that that's what I'd spoken about in the last episode of our podcast. And I was like, huh? Yeah. So you listen to that. I know you have this like ideal version of like who's listening to your podcast and you're like, oh my God, it's like my like little ideal listener. And you're like, well, let's account for some other percentage that is like, you've just. (laughs) I'd love if just no one I knew listened to it. (laughs) Totally. I love all my friends and family listen to it. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love your support. However, ideally someday I'd like none of you to ever listen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My parents listened for a long time and then I think you know, they started seeing about the things that I was going to talk about. And they're like, you know what? There's things that a parent maybe doesn't want to know. Sure, sure. Um, And I totally respect that. And I'm like, you know, this is my space where I'm going to say whatever. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to listen, like you have to know going into it. Honestly, guys, whatever. (laughs) This is the same attitude I have when anybody takes my phone to like go through my photos. I'm like, look, you're in my world now. If you are scrolling through my image library, if I show you something, if you swipe right or left, if you decide to take, you know, a gander, like that is on you because you're in my space now. That's so true. I don't get why people do that. Like, that's so weird when people do that, when they just start going through. No, I've got a lot of shit there. Don't go through my. That's like just literally like going into my closet and fucking digging through my shit. Stop. Well, now I hide my photos. 
Oh, do you? Like, do you guys know the feature? The hidden? Yes, yes it's new. It's kind of new. Like, if there's anything that, yeah. If there's anything that's really, you know, I'm like, hide, 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 hide. Yeah. <laughs> well, also me saying it's new. I just yeah. updated my OS, but I saw that it like facial unlocks my hidden now. So I'm like, ooh, that's extra good. Ooh, yeah. Even better. Because before it was just in a folder. I think anyone who Yeah, you to, could click, click hidden and you're like, yeah. okay, sure. <laughs> so hidden. <laughs> I think the only thing in my hidden folder is like my high school friends and I, not in high school, but in college. One night when we got together, we all got kind of drunk and we all took like some like sexy looking photos of each other, but we took all of them on my phone mm. and- I think I just put them all in that folder um, because I one time was just scrolling back in my photos and then came across just like hundreds of photos of us in clothing, but not that much clothing. Um, I honestly at this point can just delete them, but uh, I think that's all that I have in there. Sometimes I feel like though, like my deleted photos like surface, but I don't know. I'm like delete shit. And then I'm like, why is this back here? Like, I don't know. I, they they weirdly <laughs> integrate back in. Does the cloud work? Definitely. <laughs> who can we ask (laughs) yeah we need to we need my dad's in cloud storage so we can ask him phone him right up jeffrey just the cloud work yeah (laughs) but we turned him away we turned him away from this episode already so we're not gonna get it we are (laughs) okay so he listened to a couple episodes in the beginning he only listened after i told him like hey you probably aren't gonna like it so don't listen after i told him that he decided to listen And I was like, you little bitch. And then learn the hard way. He heard the first warning about like, I gave him a warning. Like, you're not going to want to listen to this episode. And he asked why. And I said, okay, you don't want to know that either. Yeah. And then he never listened again. And I was like, that's probably best for all involved. Yeah. But you know what? At least we all have supportive parents. Thank you for supporting us. Thanks. Just don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, on to sex, relationships, dating, which is all the things that Tatiana covers on her podcast. So as a person that like is, you know, deathly afraid of dating and some of these topics, I'm curious, like what got you interested in talking about sex education, dating relationships, et cetera, and making a platform for it? Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because I like find that people who are in this space, it's not like you're like, oh, this is my passion that I am so curious and keen on like exploring and like sharing with the world, like right coming out of the womb. So it's always like a very, it's like definitely a squiggly line, not a straight line to how I got to where I am. But I think that I just realized that I have always just been so I'm just like a big talk person. I don't love small talk. I love like getting to the real heart of a conversation. Hence probably why we mutually share that in common of like having a podcast. But I think what I realized is that I just wanted like I just was good at having those conversations with people, but I always felt like it fell short, especially like in my coming of age, like my coming of age just felt so I loved that part of growing up. Like it was such a beautiful time and I'm so happy with the experiences that I had, but I always felt like the information I was given fell really short. And thank God I grew up in an era where we had the internet and we had this like digital, like we had digital platforms to explore things. So for me, I just remember like 
coming of age and just like feeling like I actually did have resources. Like I, I found them for myself, but like I found the internet to be huge for being able to explore things like dating and falling in love and like just the queries that I had about like puberty and all those things. And so I kind of eventually just feel like I was just that person who was always comfortable with it. And I think I've always had like people felt really comfortable having those types of conversations with me because I was so willing and open to have them and just like make it not a big deal. So um, by the time I went to, I studied like branding design and I like, I come from a traditional like advertising background. I'm like a graphic designer through and through. And so in my like own like creative education, I was always pushed to explore like what does, like what is a problem in the world that you see is like can be basically rebranded and I remember like one of my last semesters in school being like wow I've always like been so eager and interested around dating and relationships and I remember in college being like kind of shocked that for some reason in my like naivete I was like oh everybody's gonna have dating and sex figured out by the time they get to college but it was so not Mm. the case and I remember in this like program I was with I was like okay I think what I'm going to do for this project is rebrand sex education because I think that would be like a great place to start little did I know that I barely have ever ended that thesis like I've just been doing it for the past number of years since I've like moved on and I've still held down like many different like branding and amazing jobs but like kind of kept this so close to heart and what happened was that one of my Um, job one of my first jobs in New York I was helping to bring to life milk makeup and they had a editorial team and the editorial director and I were really close and I was like hey guys I have this really great idea I've been sitting on it for a while but tell me if you're willing to go with me on it I was like I really just want to talk to people New Yorkers in their bedrooms like next to their bedsides like I want to know how they're dating and loving and fucking in this day and age and it was kind of like my take on just people like unpacking you know those Vogue videos of like what's in my bag but I was like I want to step deeper I really want to know like what are you what are you doing so this editor totally took a chance on me and it became one of their most read series and at the time podcasting was just kind of like beginning to be a thing fun fact Alex Cooper and I lived in the same building um in New York when she started her podcast and I started my podcast and I was like oh my god I see this other girl she has a sex podcast like she's vlogging in my building and like it was literally insane so this was kind of the era that I was like starting at the same time at and so it was just really fun to like jump into a new medium that I think honestly was so much better than like a written article so that's kind of my long winding journey here (laughs) love that that's so cool I mean Wait, I'm, you know what? I'm going to ask you what you asked us on our podcast, on your podcast. What was your sex education like? So great question. I love this question. I basically, yeah. my sex ed was taught by my gym teacher. It was like a classic mean girls moment. Giving mean girls. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like that scene like really, really yeah. resonates. Why, is it, why would you pick a dean teacher? Like a gym teacher makes so little sense. I it, None. I have no idea. I think they just pawned it off. They're like, you get it. You do physical things. Like... <laughs> 
Like, I have no idea. But anyways, shout out to Mrs. Corkery. Um, she was spunky as hell, but like literally would like wheel in a TV, like a box TV on a cart and like wheeled it in. And like, I watched this, like, I remember watching a birthing video. We talked a lot about STDs. And then I vividly remember her putting a condom on a banana, but it was so like, it was just like, like, I think everybody was checked out. Like, they were just emotionally unavailable for whatever yeah. that class was was to say. Um, so, long story short, it was just, like, absolutely abysmal. And I just had so much of my own unlearnings to do, like, a number of years later, you know? <laughs> what have you unlearned about sex? I think the biggest thing for me was realizing that I am not, like, that it is a reciprocal act. Like, I think for so long, especially, like, being conditioned as like a cis woman, it was just very much like, oh, I was always researching how to please someone else and give and give and give. And I think so many women are like in general people pleasers to like a fault. And I think it took me so long to realize, oh, wait, like I actually get to say no. And like, you know what? I actually like get to have a say in this. And, um, you know, if I don't like a situation, I actually don't have to follow through and it can be in the middle of something and I don't have to follow through. And I think that was a huge unlearning because I always was like, oh my God, okay, so I'm here. I'm committed. I went on a date. I guess like these are the next following steps. And like, thankfully, I've always like pretty much had pretty gracious people who I've had encounters with. But like there's obviously a lot of us have had like been in situations where we're just not into it anymore. And so I think I like the biggest unlearning for me was just realizing that I can just be like, yeah. And I'm not into this. All right, bye. You know, and do so at any moment in time. I so agree with that. Something that I had to really unlearn when I got into my current relationship was that like I didn't always have to say yes. My partner and I talked about it as me regaining my sexual autonomy. Like I had the choice to say no because as you said, like many women in heteronormative situations, I was always saying yes whether I wanted it or not and then getting into a relationship where my partner did not want to have sex with me if I didn't want to be having sex you know it it kind of hurt me this idea that I always had to say yes and I think now being in the phase of my life that I'm in and working on the things that I'm working on I'm like if I could give advice to people teaching sexual education it would be like teach women that they have the ability to say no Mm -hmm. they can always say no because looking back on a a lot of the experiences I have in high school Mm -hmm. I had in high school I just feel for that younger version of myself who was putting herself through things that she shouldn't have had to yeah or like even when like I've been in like I feel like this is really quiet. Is it? Am I making things up? No, no I hear you. Um, in like, I was in one long-term relationship with a man and it, like, definitely not the reason we broke up was because of sex, but that was a part of it of I throughout our relationship was on higher and higher levels of antidepressants and lost my sex drive. And for a long time, I just kept having sex with him and I like spoke to him about it. And he said like, I'm okay with it. I understand. But then we get very upset when I wouldn't want to have sex with him and like so I would end up having sex with him because it was easier than having him get upset yep and even though we had discussed it and he said I'm okay with this right in practice he wasn't right and I I wasn't ready to like this was someone I loved I wasn't ready to like I didn't want to disappoint them yes 
Oh, the disappointment thing is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is your advice for like somebody trying to navigate their sexual autonomy, whether that be like, how do I build the confidence or whatever it is to say no? And then how do I be on the receiving end of a no and not, you know, make my partner feel bad for saying no? Mm, That's such a great question. I think like sexual autonomy comes down to just like, allowing yourself the I I think it really comes down to like permission right and just like giving Mm. yourself the freedom of like really really operating out of a deep like knowing system and I think it takes practice like we're not going to come out of the gate this is why like we're not going to come out and be like oh my gosh I'm perfect at having like hard conversations or telling someone how I'm really feeling like we're going to stumble and fumble and I think that is part of the process that I want people to accept and be willing to get into and no matter how much practice we have around our sexual autonomy or having hard conversations like it still sometimes can feel awkward, right? Like I would say I'm someone like I'm yeah. like I have a podcast all about this, but like it's still for me sometimes hard with my partner to bring certain things up and it's always a work in progress. So I just want to say that like don't be steered wrong from from that. Don't think that that just is because like you are just that way. Like I would say that most humans experience that it's not easy to really to share that but I think coming back to that like knowing and value system and just giving yourself space and I always say too like you know having hard conversations let's say it is around libido and sex drive like sometimes it's not going to be solved in one conversation in a prompt 60 minutes right like allow yourself the flexibility to be like great I just want to bring this up we don't need to come to a solution right now, but like it's it's here and let's put a pin in this so we don't exhaust ourselves because the worst is just spinning out on a conversation for hours yep. and hours that doesn't mm-hmm. make progress. So allowing yourself to really put a pin in it and then be like, okay, let's revisit this. Let's simmer with it. Let's sit with it um, and figure out how we can both act. So I think like that is kind of my my tips on 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 that because I want to uh, I want to allow us to realize that we're not always going to do things perfectly and not have the expectation to do it so. Yeah, that's such great advice. I feel like especially in the last 6 months through my relationship, I've sort of finally learned that relationships cannot be perfect and good all the time. Um and that they take a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Like I think for a long time, I had this idea that relationships, sure, we have conversations, whatever. But I think I had this idea like it always has to like be good or underlyingly good. But at the end of the day, like you, you're spending like your life with somebody like it's not always going to be perfect. And when it's not perfect, it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that you are navigating what is currently happening. Um, Yes. So I love that piece of advice that you gave. Yeah. And I think too, right. Like, you know, to me, there's almost a difference between being good, but then versus what I almost am picking out from what you're saying is I think a lot of expectations people have on, maybe longer term relationships, for example, is that it should be spontaneous. Like we shouldn't have to talk about these things like, oh, but like it's not sexy to bring up like that I want to have more sex or that we're not aligned on this. Or, you know, I think a lot of people just have these set expectations 
that unfortunately like our system has brought upon us, like our education system, our cultural system, because we don't have conversations around it that we think we're like, okay, well, I guess because we're not communicating around it, it should flow seamlessly, but it doesn't. And so I think it's like a big thing I want to share with people too, is that like romance, love, all of these things are works in progress. Yes, they can start kind of from like a, a flame or like that great like zing you feel in in when you meet someone and there's chemistry but it is built upon a foundation and it requires things like communication it requires things like hard conversations and it requires things like actual work and not spontaneity um and and I think spontaneity is achievable but I think sometimes it also requires a foundation to be like okay great we know that on Fridays we have date night but we can leave that open-ended. But like you have fr- date night every Friday, right? <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I cannot. Like everything you're saying is like everything I feel like I've learned in like the past like two years of my life. There is like that is like my like ick about society like dating relationship stuff is that the idea of spontaneity. Because I remember being in my relationship and things felt very calm mm-hmm. and like quote unquote like you know the idea of like it being boring but and I was like it's got to be spontaneous like why isn't there any fire and heat and all these things and then I got like super insecure about it but I then came to realize like that's just like not realistic in the things that they show you in movies and the spontaneity and the Prince Charming shit is like not what relationships are actually like yeah and they're, the way that media portrays it is just this hot and heavy chase 24-7. And like, I yeah. like love and true romance that is healthy. Honestly, the best word that I can describe it is it feels easy. Like it, it feels yeah. low lift. Like it's not this running, mm-hmm. I'm chasing you and fighting for you and like back and forth and polarization. Like it is, it's steady. And I think for some people, when they hit that point, they're like, oh my gosh, is something wrong? Like they're not familiar with that. They're literally that was me. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, I was like, is is like, do I not love this person? Like, what's wrong with my relationship? Yep. And it took so much time for me to realize. Wait, this is what it should actually feel. Yeah, like. girl, it's because you're in a healthy dynamic. Like that is like the best sign. Yeah, yeah. It's just so crazy. You know, it took me years to learn that. Like, I really feel like I've only just learned that, and I had to go through something really hard with my partner in order to get to that point. Mm. But. Um, I love this advice because if I could say anything to my past self, um, it would be like this chase, this spontaneity, like it's sure you may have that flame in the, in the beginning, but not, not having, it doesn't mean that you don't love this person, that the relationship isn't right, that it's not worth having. Right. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So I kind of want to switch gears and talk about masturbation. Yeah. Um, And I'm specifically pushing myself to talk about this because for so many years of my life, I've been so uncomfortable talking about it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about both of you, but I did not grow like any of my female friends at least we did not talk about masturbation like you know growing up and in high school the first time I actually masturbated was in college I'm not sure what your guys's experiences are I started pretty young like I was really <laughs> young when I started I love um, it. but my friends and I didn't really discuss it like we maybe discussed it three times in high school and even in college like didn't really discuss it with friends either oh no, yeah um and I definitely remember like even all through high school like 
I would get so I would be so ashamed like anytime I masturbated and like I I would feel so much like weird guilt and like I wouldn't do it very often because I felt there was something like inherently gross or dirty about it Mm. yeah yeah totally I um it's so interesting because like I I talk to like some college girls now and they're like oh yeah like we all have vibrators in our like bedside tables in our drawers and we're just like oh like comparing them and I'm like damn how the times have changed in just the tiniest window of time like it's it's wild like that was not the case for me (laughs) no me either it was so uncomfortable. And again, another kind of thought process that I had as a high school, early college student was that masturbation was only for men mm-hmm. because that was what was being put out there in society. Like it was very normal for men to be doing this, but I had like really heard about women doing it until my later, like high school call co- in early college years. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah, no, totally. I'm trying to kind of like, like think back to my own journey with it. I I agree with you 100%. Like it was absolutely just a complete norm for anybody who has a penis. Like it was just like, oh yeah, like that is a yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Like they have to do it. They have to get it out, like whatever. And I, it just, I, <laughs> it's so, the rhetoric is gross, guys. Like it's just like, it <laughs> it's really it nasty really around is. it. Yes. So ick. Um, but I feel like for me, I I personally didn't have shame, but we can go we can go into the shame piece because I think it's really important. But I think for me, I didn't feel inherent shame around it, but I was really confused. As in, like the first time I orgasmed, I was mm. like, I didn't know what was happening. What my first orgasm story was. Um, this is hysterical. It was like OG Tumblr days when like GIF porn okay. was like at its peak. And it was just uh-huh. like these like little GIFs of like black and white, like like movie scenes <laughs> or like whatever. And I'm sitting at my kitchen table, fully clothed, guys, like just like ignoring homework and like scrolling Tumblr. And I see this like GIF and... I just I guess I like had a mini orgasm and I was like what just happened like I just was like everything just like tingled and then I don't know and so it was just the weirdest experience but I remember just being like oh oh like I I see this I like I I guess this is like something you know, to explore now because I didn't really realize there was much to it until that moment, right? Like I wasn't, I hadn't heard about masturbation and then been like, oh, I'm going to try it. I think I just like had bodily sensations that I was like, okay, let me go and explore from there. But it was absolutely by no means anything that I talked about with anybody. Like it was just like between me, it was not, there were no conversations with girlfriends, um, but I do have to say, and like I credit my parents for this. I grew up in like a very like open household. My parents are both European, which I think is probably like its own blessing in disguise where it's like it's it's not like sex was overtly happening in my house. But like I like my parents are very much in love and they like have always had like a really great dynamic together. So we knew it was always happening and they wouldn't hide things per se, but it wasn't just like out in the open. So I think that like. For me, in my journey, I kind of was able to not take on the shame that American culture put Mm. on me so directly because my immediate influences in my household told me otherwise. For sure. Yeah, Yeah. that makes a lot of sense. For somebody that is, you know, wanting 
to explore and experiment with masturbation, where would you suggest that they start? Yeah. So I would say that like, first off, one of my biggest reframes is just to be like, right off the bat, sexual pleasure, pleasure in general, orgasms are really healthy for you. Like they are good for your body. They are feel good chemicals just like going at it. You've got dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin. Like when you are in those moments and in those heightened experiences, it is so healthy. And so I just want to say like the, the, our body functions like this for a reason. And like these health benefits from pleasure are so both in in the bedroom and outside the bedroom like pleasure in terms of like playing tennis or getting outside or doing something you love is so important and I think for me the biggest number one step in when it comes to kind of like unpacking shame is redefining what pleasure means for you like expanding your definition of that and also expanding your definition of like your longing for pleasure your desire and like what turns you on in life I love I think it was um Audrey Lord talks about how um your sexuality is your life force energy and to me that is like my north star because I'm always trying to see how I can facilitate my intimacy, my exploration, what brings me joy in life, not only like through very overtly like things in my sexual expression and what gets me off, but like also all the things outside of that. So I think like the first step is really exploring what pleasure means to you. And I think starting there. Um, And then I think like reframing and then, and then, and I think that like belongs in a bit of a reframe and Um, and then I think too, just like starting really simple. I think there's a lot of messaging around like, oh, you know, get a sex toy and like explore X, Y, Z. And I think it, it, it starts a step back. I think like just really exploring what physical touch means to you, what parts of your body are erogenous, what turns you on, like what feels good in your body and exploring that solo. Like I think, again, going back to like what my messaging was like, I thought I had to explore that with someone else. I thought like the way to unlocking Mm -hmm. that was bringing someone else in. But I think it really, really, really starts within. So my biggest thing is like coming back to solo sex, coming back to solo exploration, what feels good. Start literally with your hands. Um, see what that's like. And I think from there, it just kind of becomes a bit more of a graduation and and an up-leveling into what that means for you. You can explore what fantasy looks like. You can start to look into like different toys or products that help facilitate that. But I think it starts way simpler than that, you know? Yeah, I agree. If I think about how I started, it's very much in that progression as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I really didn't, I was at the time like too like ashamed to like buy a sex toy. And then as as people were talking about it more in college and like, and having them. And I was like, okay, like, you know, and my friends were like, wait, you don't have a vibrator. Like what is wrong with you? (laughs) And so I was like, okay, like this, this means it's okay to get a sex toy. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, uh, when I first started off in the very beginning, it was also similar to that, but then I like did some Google searching and, uh, really hope no adults in my life are listening to at this point <laughs> nancy so my is that her name child bathroom growing up had a removable shower head yeah on the internet um, <laughs> and then even like when i went away to like because i went to boarding high school uh and so when i had my own room like 
you could get like uh like i have a toothbrush that's electrus but then i could also get like another one that is functionally a vibrator yes. essentially um but like i like my my credit card was my parents credit card like i in high school wasn't gonna fucking buy a sex toy sure. and send that through my parents credit history um so you got you got crafty I got very crafty, but then I would like feel like even more like sort of ashamed and hidden about it. And it it took like a solidly long time. And it took, I think, until like really talking with other people and learning like other women also did. And then like by the point of uh, my sophomore or junior, no, my sophomore year of uh, college, my apartment together, we all did like a secret Santa. And I think over half the gifts were sex related. Two of us got each other vibrators. Someone got someone Fortnite condoms. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I love it. And it became as much as we still didn't talk about it that much. I was like, oh, this is allowed. Yeah, and I didn't there. have to feel like gross about it mm-hmm. every time I did it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Yes, totally. Yeah. I think something that has helped me along my journey too, like at least like it's as some if for people who are in a relationship is actually talking about masturbation like with your partner like i'll like say like oh yeah like i masturbated last night and this happened or or whatever and sort of like making that a normal piece of conversation because like it's a very normal part of life Mm -hmm. and some people are going to do it whether you're in relationships or not in relationships yeah 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 i let's debunk that right now too like whether or not you are in a relationship or not masturbation is a really really important solo sex practice that should be like maintained and we shouldn't feel threatened if we are dating someone that um they are masturbating and doing their own practice because I think we all each deserve that and it's so important to just like have your own solo time and be able to just like do what you want to do you know so I love I love that you do that yeah yeah I think especially like as you know I've only came out like three years ago um like as you continue to like explore your sexuality and what you like and with sex, like specifically like, you know, for a lot of my life I was having sex with men. So I was like, okay, like let's bring it back to myself and like what things that I think that I would like um, somebody else with a vagina to do to me and Mm -hmm. vice versa. Um, And I think it's like nice to like talk about it too, because I think also like learning what your partner does like to themselves helps you know you and what you do to them and having that open communication about it I know it's like probably easier said than done but once you start like doing it and practicing it a lot I find it very helpful I would agree with like sex and relationships I really struggled with like talking about these things feels so uncomfortable but if you don't talk about it you're expecting them to read your mind Mm -hmm. and like I can't read your mind and you can't read my mind like if I don't tell you you have no way of knowing like that doesn't do shit for me dude (laughs) (laughs) and like I can't be mad at him for not knowing that if I have not told him that yeah and the biggest sad thing that like I think a lot of women do is like they learn to fake orgasm and they learn to like fake it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a breadcrumb in the wrong direction. And it's like, look, Mm -hmm. we can try not communicating for a certain time, but at one time it's not going to work. And then there's like a fork in the road where I see it almost like, do you communicate or do you fake it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My my ex literally one time after we had sex asked me how many times I said I, or or how many times I orgasmed. And I said, I don't keep track because like, that's such (laughs) a bold question to like, you can't then go and answer like 
none. Like I still had an enjoyable time, but like I couldn't go and say none. So I didn't know what else to say. So I said, I don't keep track. As if I'd had so many orgasms during our like 20 minutes of sex. Right, right. I couldn't keep track of the number. It's like, you'll know. You'll know. You'll know. Yeah. That's so funny. No, the whole phenomenon of faking it. Like I I have to say, I've been like very lucky in my two very serious relationships. I've rarely done it. Um, The first one, we didn't communicate at all. So I don't know like how that worked out. But in my current relationship, yeah, like I feel like the best advice I have is like communicating about sex because it makes it so much better all of the time. Yeah. Like talking about it will never not like make it worse. Like I love talking about sex with my, with my partner because I know that we can continue to grow and expand on it. And also like, I don't have to be afraid to be like, Hey, this isn't working for me anymore. Yeah. Or can you try this instead? And like vice versa. Yeah. And in a certain degree, it needs to be done for safety. Like I remember the first person I hooked up with in college and like someone I was involved with for a bit they were really into choking, which isn't an issue. But the first time we hooked up, we'd known each other for a couple of weeks and not that well. And he started choking me and I went, oh, this is when I die. I'm about to be murdered right now. Like just full. I was like, I'm going to die in this dorm room. This is the end. And that didn't end up happening. But like in that moment, I truly believe that because like that is something you need to have discussion about. There are safety concerns with that. And that's not like a shameful thing at all. It's just like, You need to discuss it. Absolutely. We need to discuss kinks and fantasies. Yes. But like really quickly, I wanted to say that I agree. And if anybody who is struggling with communicating around sex, especially if this is someone like consistently having sex with, it's a little easier. I'll give some advice around like any sort of new relationships. But I think the best time to have a conversation around sex, especially if you um, are nervous too, is have it right after you have sex because your feel-good chemicals are riding high. You guys are both kind of like feeling the afterglow of everything. And I think that is a really vulnerable, healthy time that you guys can just recap what your experience is like, share some feedback, share what you like, share what you didn't like. Um, This is a great time to address a fantasy. And so I think it's just kind of like an open open time to have conversation. And the best way to lead into feedback is to really just being like, hey, this is what I really liked what about you this is what I would have changed differently Mm -hmm. what about you so always lead with yourself first and it's the best way to kind of get um open yourself up and and kind of lead the way you have to take that risk of vulnerability it's really uncomfortable to do but Mm -hmm. like someone has to take that risk yeah yeah I I love talking about sex after sex um as one reason is because as I struggle struggled with internalized homophobia talking about it kept me in the moment I wasn't thinking about all of these shameful thoughts I was thinking about like the great thing that just happened yeah and then um oh my god the other it left me I have no idea the other one oh and also you know I think it gave my partner and I like the means to grow in our sex life. Mm-hmm. You know, we had been struggling for a bit and then we were like, all right, like we, we got to do something about this instead of just like pushing down our feelings and not talking about it. And so my partner was like, you know, let's talk about it after, um, like aftercare um, is what yep. they call it. And it's been worked wonders for me. Um, 
especially with like internalized homophobia, which I didn't expect to get out of it. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. And I think too, like the best is really when, because this also facilitates the evolution of sex because it's not like you figure sex out once and that's the formula again, like it's not a one and done. Every single person you hook up with is going to be a little bit different. And I think it's really about being open to learning how people function and how they work and what works for them and how you two come together. And there's such a richness when you're committed to the growth of your intimate life instead of being like, oh, we figured out like a pattern that both works for us. You know, nothing wrong with a good quickie, but um, there's also something so rich about just allowing yourselves to explore and like bring on the adventure of what intimacy can be for both of you. For sure. And for listeners that, you know, maybe are like consistently hooking up with somebody or like maybe it's a couple times, like how would you suggest they go about communicating with the person they're hooking up with? Yes. Okay. So I love this question. My favorite thing is, especially if you're going into a situation with someone new and you're, and if you're anything like me, I am someone who finds that I need to make a decision about something before I go into it. I.e., if I'm going on a new date, I need to kind of already understand what my boundaries are on that first date. Like maybe I'm like, okay, Okay. I'm comfortable as going as far as a kiss, but like I don't want to go home with someone. So I like the idea of committing to something beforehand. Of course, in real time, that can change, but I like giving myself something to tether myself to. So when it does come down to like, let's say I'm going into a new situation, I've allowed myself just being like, okay, like I'd actually be into like going home with somebody and like, you know, just like having sex with them. And once I get into that, understanding like, okay, what's my like value system around that for, and and this looks different for everybody, um, but I'll give you guys examples. If I'm having sex with a new partner, I really want, if, if they're, if I'm going into sex and it's a heteronormative partnership, I'm a woman and I'm going for a penis owner. Like for me, I'm like, okay, they need to be wearing a condom and, um, I need to be in a situation where I know their sexual health history and they're comfortable sharing that. Now, those value systems are going to be a defining marker on how I proceed because immediately if they're not willing to tell me what their sexual health history is like and if they're they're very, very like deeply disturbed by that question and or if they're unwilling to use the measure of protection that I've predetermined. I can right away be like, great, red flag. I am not interested in that dynamic. I can tell right from the get-go, like our values don't align. So I think that has always really, really helped me. And then kind of, let's say like you've passed go on all of those scenarios and you're you're having sex with them. I think in the moment, if you're not comfortable saying like, hey, and verbalizing something, I always like to say like show don't tell. Um, so I think if you're uncomfortable just being like, Hey, go this way, move left, move right, like down a little bit more, like guiding somebody, um, and having it kind of be like a, you show me, I show you, um, scenario. So I would say those are kind of my tips on, on a newer situation. Sure. Why do you think this is a random question that popped into my head while you were talking, but why do you think people, 
feel fear in communicating the things that they want during sex. I think it is a deep rooted fear of rejection. I think we all Mm. don't want to feel rejected. And that is like instinct human nature. Like we do not want to be like left from the tribe in the desert to like get food for ourselves. However many thousands of years ago, like we, we want to fit in. We want to people please. And we want to assimilate because we want, like we don't want rejection. That is like a core need that we need checked off. But I think, you know, we have that instinct, but we live in modern times. Like we're okay to challenge that rejection and like sit in the uncomfortability of what that means for us. Um, And I promise you when you actually do the deeper work and unpack what that means for you, like you'll be able to handle that on your own and you'll honestly be able to desensitize that trigger. Um, But Mm -hmm. yeah, I would really say like, I think it's just a deep fear of rejection. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I, yeah, I was just curious, but I, and you're so I vulnerable in sex too. Of, like you're getting literally right, rejected and you're naked. Like, right. <laughs> right. I like always like I didn't want to be mean. I didn't want to tell like because like telling them to do something else felt like telling them you're doing a bad job. Mm, yeah, and like like particularly when I think you're having sex with like a longer term partner, like I don't want to make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I, I, I like that reminds me of a conversation I was listening to on a podcast where they were talking about again like kind of going back to sexual autonomy like I don't want to turn down my husband because like I don't want to make him feel bad but I guess like would wouldn't this like if they are your partner and you give them the suggestion like it's making the, like your partner feel better who you love I don't know just a thought no 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 yeah like I think we need to reframe it I'm with you like you're giving somebody the tools and the keys to unlock you and I think like once they have that they're like oh cool and then from there they can riff off that and explore with that and do what they can but I think until then it's like oh it's just a disservice to each of you yeah Mm -hmm. because I feel like once like we started like my partner and I had started communicating about things and they would tell me the things that they like or direct me. I was like, thank God this is so much more helpful than just like shooting darts into the blank sky. (laughs) Like I was like, this is so much more helpful. Um, and thank God, like you told me because now I can please you and it's easier on me and I don't feel like I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it just made it more directive for me, which I feel like I needed. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we had um, some listener questions come in, but it was so funny because they're specifically about aggression and sex. So I'm just going to read the question. Um, Where did I put it? Oh, here it is. So um, how to tell your partner you want to throw them up against the wall. You want them to throw you up against the wall during sex. Um, And then what to do like when your partner thinks you're crazy crazy for wanting more aggressive sex (laughs) I love this question guys this is so good when it came in I was shocked but I was like oh my gosh like this is so interesting (laughs) yeah no I love this and I kind of I, I want your answers to this too but I can start I think that um so first off, this is a fantasy. Let's just like label it as such. Like you, you are, you desire to be thrown up against the wall, which like, honestly, cool. Yeah. Like that sounds dope. Like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's do it. Um, I think 
again, like I said, and Audrey, like your example, fantasies need to be expressed. They cannot just be done. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. otherwise you might send someone into fight or flight. Yeah. It's as much as having that conversation can feel unsexy. It's even less sexy to be scary or unsafe in a situation. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, look, I, I think like, I really think it's just up to us. Like I said, like we have to exercise this muscle of vulnerability of just yeah. being like, look, I, I have this desire and like, you know, you can play it up too. It doesn't have to just be like an awkward conversation. Like you can make it something that's sexy for each of you where you can just be like, Hey, I'm excited to tell you this. Like I have a desire. Like, do you want to hear me out? Like I have this fantasy that's been in my head and I think it would be so amazing if we like tried and experimented with getting a little bit rough. How do you feel about this? And just like testing the water. Like I said at the beginning where it's like you can come and revisit this conversation if it feels like it's a lot for the other person. Because what I'm hearing from them is that their partner is like, oh my God, you're crazy. And I think if they have an averted reaction, allowing them the time and space to really simmer with it too and process what that looks like and means like for them um you're not crazy for having a fantasy um I I'm assuming that maybe the way the reason the partner might have had this reaction was quite frankly you might have brought this up at the not in the right way at the right time Mm, and I'm not not saying that there is a right way to bring up a fantasy but I think in general when we're having conversations around sex intimacy our desires I like to kind of set up a bit of a framework of it's pretty simple but it's just like making sure that you are meeting the person that you're having the conversation with at a neutral time and place what I mean by that is like don't have the conversation after work when you're both high stress and or like after someone got off a call with their mom or like there's a stressful family situation happening like I think it's just like being able to read the room make sure I think a great time to have conversations like I said were after sex I think when you're at dinner like eating dinner together is a great time to bring this up if you go on a walk like just making a neutral un what's the word I'm looking for? Like, un, um, not charged. Yeah. Like what am I looking for? Yes. Charged. Yes. Like exactly. Like a a non-charged environment Mm -hmm. and then being able to bring that up. Cause I think that like that, that will already give you a leg up into this conversation. Yeah. When this, when this question came in, I thought it was interesting because my first thought went to, and maybe this is just telling you what society has taught us. I was like, I can't believe there's a man out there that doesn't want to have aggressive sex. Like, honestly, that was like the first (laughs) thing that came into my mind and not that like, it's bad that he doesn't want that. I was just sort of like, I guess everything I had been exposed to was like 50 shades of gray, like, you know, very BDSM, like very aggressive. Or even just in most porn, it's pretty aggressive towards the woman. Right. Yes. Like it's a very penetration focused and like just like just so hard, you know, there's no gentleness. It's literally like kind of funny. Like the times that I've watched porn, I'm just like, that would do nothing for me. I'm like, she doesn't look like she's (laughs) like, I don't believe she's enjoying this. You're not doing anything that would make this enjoyable for her. So funny. Um, do you guys like enjoy watching porn or like audio erotica or anything? Is that like is that part of your like process at all? I read some. Or Ooh, not some. I, I love read that. it most. Read it most. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I definitely, especially when I'm masturbating, watch a lot of porn. Like I am a, I've always been a visual learner, a visual person. So I kind of need that visual to get things going, whether even it's a movie or something. Um, And then also like, like reading smut sometimes. Mm -hmm. But uh, honestly, I'm not a huge reader. So So I do like the (laughs) the visuals a lot, a lot more. Um, Yeah. But totally. yeah, those are my, what about you? Yeah, I would say the same thing. I, I think for the most part, like I don't use, I've actually been like very interested in audio erotica because they've mm. just heard so many cool things about it and they're really amazing brands doing some stuff. So like I've, yeah. I, it's been on my list to try. I haven't done it. Um, I think it would work really well for me because sometimes I like the visuals of porn, but other times I kind of like have, I don't know, I have my own little visuals going in my head. Oh, like, yeah, I mean, like, 100%. I, just, I love that. Also, so much just, like porn rolling is- with my own fantasies. Yeah. So much of porn is like aimed towards women that it's really hard to find like porn that isn't just like gross. Yeah, which leads me to my question yeah. for you. I know I'm personally a, a subscriber of Balesa Plus, and they have a bunch of different like porn, audio erotica, stories, stuff like that. But do you have any like sex brands that you feel like are really great, whether it's toys, porn, etc.? Mm, yes, my favorite toy right now is the Lawand Massager. Um, I'm obsessed with Lawand. It's like a, um, it's it's. I think it's it's just like a, a wand style massager. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're so great. I am obsessed with them. What other toys am I loving? Um, Woo More Play has great ones. Mm. Dame Products is phenomenal with toys. Um, in terms of like any sort of lubes, I am actually very particular because fun fact, a lot of lube is freaking toxic um like a lot of the stuff you see on the shelves not good the sexual wellness aisle needs a whole refresh which we can get into um but i i just bought lube the other day did you serious you'll have to tell me which one yes and now i'm gonna (laughs) um i love um good clean love they are the absolute gold standard for personal lubricant um and they're sold in most pharmacies but they're like through and through just the the highest quality so I always recommend but yeah I mean I think I love the sex tech industry I'm obsessed with it I think what has been developed the resources the tools that are available are incredible and it's just like so exciting to explore so much so to the point honestly I haven't really spoken about this publicly that much but like I'm I'm literally working on launching a company and the sexual wellness category. Oh God, for that's so great. So exciting. So, I can't wait. Yeah. We'll send you. We'll send you some stuff. Yeah. As I've gotten older, I've loved like kind of exploring like all the sexual devices that you can get out there, whether it's a vibrator or like for Valentine's Day, my partner got me these adorable pink leather handcuffs i am like obsessed with them i don't even (gasps) want to put them on they're just so beautiful funny story in college um i one time my ex and i we wanted to tie each other up and i texted my roommates asking if they had anything that we could use and one of my roommates responded i previously used ballet tights and so i was tied up with ballet tights that's hysterical. my like pink ballet tights that i would use at 8 a.m ballet (laughs) with sheree bauer (laughs) <laughs> it worked you wake up the next day you put them on you're like you don't know what you, you don't know where these were last night you don't know where you've been <laughs> before we get into our final question for oh you God, so i want to ask you what 
are three things that you like wish you knew about sex earlier? Um, I think three things I wish I knew about sex earlier were that it is always evolving and changing and ebbing and flowing. Like, I think a big thing that I had to understand was that um, I had permission to not always be at like the same like baseline all the time. Like I, my sexual expression can change. My identity can shift. My desires can shift. How much I'm wanting to have sex can shift. And I think I used to judge myself. And quite frankly, I used to judge other partners for like not always being met at the same place or, um, having it change. And I think, the biggest one of the, so one of the biggest things is just understanding that everything around intimacy sex and desire ebbs and flows and that is completely normal and it's like part of the process and honestly I've learned to lean into kind of like the fun of it because I think it allows you to learn and grow in so many different capacities around what pleasure looks like in a different season of life yeah so yeah I think I think I would say it's that that's beautiful. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. It okay. is. Our beautiful. last. It is. Our last question for you is, you know, it's a completely fucking clueless podcast. So we need to ask you, when is, or like, when's a recent time that you felt clueless? It can be big, small. Like, sometimes they're as big as, like, we fully don't know what we're doing with our lives. They've also been as small as, like, hey, how often are you meant to empty your vacuum cleaner? Because I'm really not sure on that. <laughs> Guys, I could have a whole episode just dedicated to all of the yeah, I feel like most people can. <laughs> like, where do you want to begin? Okay, I mean, like most, like boring, but like most recently tax season. I'm like, actually, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much. I've been working with a lot of like contractors this year. So I'm the one who's sending out 1099s. And I'm like, actually, like, is this right? Like, yeah. am I, I going to be audited? Like, I have no fucking clue what I'm doing on that front. So still don't just just free balling it. Just hoping um, it all goes well in the IRS. Let me know if you figure up. it out. Uh, you know, TurboTax yeah, labeled me as a low risk for being audited. So I'm counting on that. There you okay. Go. That's great. Yep. I love that reassurance. Um, but I would say that like more like in, in a bigger way, something that I'm, I'm feeling clueless around, but like blissfully clueless is starting a company, like, like starting like a physical goods line. And I think for so long I was like, I, I'm, I'm not going to do this because I don't know where to begin or like I need to go to business school or I need to know all the right next steps. Yep. And I think I was like, oh, there's a there's a way to do this. And I realized one day I was just like, no, the point of this is being clueless. Like yeah. the point is just figuring it out as you go, you know, build the plane while it's in the air and like one next best step at a time and it's so funny because I'm like, I know what my skill sets are. I'm doing so many things that are way outside of that because this requires me just needing to be a beginner from scratch. I mean, I went to a trade show the other week and like I was talking to a vendor and he looked at me like I had 17 heads and like like I had asked the stupidest question ever. And I so badly to him wanted to be like, dude, I I literally am like I run design teams like I don't know what like it like 
all of these technical details are like I kind of wanted to like level set with him and be like I'm new and like just like be normal to me but I think I just was like you know what like I'm just gonna be I'm gonna lean in and like I'm gonna go find the next vendor who's not gonna treat me like that and who's so willing to just like meet me where I'm at so I would I would say that and like I'm I'm happily there because it's honestly really fun (laughs) that's great yeah that's what I love about being clueless it's kind of like blissful in a way you know you have these things you want and you don't know how you're gonna make them happen but every single day you're taking a step to get there and then one day you look back and you're like holy shit like I did that even though I had no idea what I was fucking Mm -hmm. doing you know Mm-hmm. Well, this has been yep, totally. such a wonderful episode and time talking with you. I feel like, like you said, I could just like talk to you forever. There's so many avenues that I feel like we could go down. Literally. Um, and yeah, you're welcome back anytime to chit chat. Deep talks are our thing. <laughs> For everyone, could you share, plug it. all your various socials? Yes. 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 So honestly, you can just find me at the Bedside Podcast. I love to hang out with you. Like that's really where you're going to probably get like the most intimate, deep, rich conversations. Um, I'm also over on the bedside on Instagram and like, honestly, all the links are really from there. You can find TikToks, all the things. So I'll, I'll just kind of mainly plug the podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah. So fun. Thank you guys. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that. I know we had so much fun doing it. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Literally just still astonished by how amazing both those episodes were. (laughs) Astonished with the talent in the room. Now I'm astonishing by little women stuck in my head. By little women from little women. Yep. Okay. Yep. You guys, I don't know why, but my voice feels like it's it's going out of the door. It's going to be lost soon. When we were recording the swap with her, I fully had a moment where I was like, is there a gas leak in my apartment? I feel really lightheaded. And then I realized I think I just wasn't breathing. I love that for us. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So we need to stop podcasting. So yeah, as I said at the beginning, this is our last episode. Goodbye forever. <laughs> Just kidding, you guys. We're not going anywhere. But you know what you can do is follow us on Instagram at completely fucking clueless, or on TikTok or or YouTube at completely fcking clueless. And if you are liking what you're hearing, please do not forget to rate, review, subscribe, send it to a friend. Yes, follow, send it to a lover. All of the things it really helps the podcast out, and honestly, selfishly, it just really makes my day. It does. <laughs> it makes me very. We happy. want approval. <laughs> desperately oh my god who doesn't anyways y'all have an amazing week and don't forget to be a motherfucking clueless yeah this is phenomenal